Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined myself, Carmelina, Joe, and Paul. Not the Paul. Paul Brunner. Brunner? Brunner? Brunner. Brunner. Paul Brunner, who has joined us today. Paul, we didn't mention in the last episode that Paul is actually Carmelina's fiance. Yay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Carmelina's happy about that. I'm happy to hear that. When when is your uh, wedding? Schedule? July 16th. July 16th. The feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Beautiful Our Lady mm-hmm. of Mount Carmel. Yeah, awesome. it's on a Saturday this year. Last year was on a Friday. Nice. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Yep. Awesome. We're really excited for you. And actually, by the time this airs, you will already be married. So. Praise God. <laughs> Amen to that. But anyway, so uh, Paul joined us because, uh, and he joined us for our last episode because we've been talking about. Religious education, the state of CCD, and how do we pass on the faith to the next generation? Really some great discussions and insights. And one of the big debates we had uh, during break was whether or not it's better to be to have a, a huge swath of people that's culturally Catholic or whether it's better not to have culturally Catholic and it's easier to evangelize like straight-up pagans versus people who think they don't need a Savior because they're living a pretty good life that means you go to church every once in a while and follow, you know, eight or nine out of the Ten Commandments. And <laughs> basically, I mean, basically, that's, that's something I see at my parish uh, is you know, many people who believe that they're good Catholics because they're good people and not needing, not knowing that they need a, a personal relationship with Christ and, and, and a Savior. But I mean, some of you guys were uh, huge advocates of the idea that... Um, that cultural Catholicism is is a is an avenue for people to reach others. But Joe, you were mentioning something over break about you know not evangelizing twelve year olds. Yeah, I, I want to be clear because I am I was the cultural Catholic who was evangelized the CCD. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's obviously possible, and like praise God when it happens. My my bigger point is that it is an institutional failure in the church that I am teaching. I mean, thirty kids who are in seventh and eighth grade who don't know the very basics of the faith and don't really have or desire, or even know it's a possibility to have a relationship with Jesus. So like, what I guess I'm trying to say is that if everything was going well, we would have the majority of the situations would be a healthy Catholic family such that parents evangelize their kids so that their kids develop a relationship with Christ. So by the time they got to eighth grade confirmation class, we'd go into the deep matters of the faith and I wouldn't have to spend time on like, how do we know God exists? Is it okay for us to like hit people? Does it matter that morality is a real thing? Does Christ love you? Like those are all great things. They they shouldn't be the eighth grade level. And my my my, my biggest point I made in the last episode is that if you're talking about evangelization in a Catholic institution that is for Catholics by Catholics, something went wrong because that should be catechesis at that point. Evangelization evangelization comes at the beginning of the relationship, not when you've been through two thirds of the sacraments of initiation. <laughs> like it's just I just think it's a it's a systematic failure and. Most of the solutions have just been band-aids trying to plug a giant dam that's gushing water. Right. So, so what's your, what's your band-aid? It's my band-aid? suggestion. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't want to I don't want to like monologize here or anything like that. But um, I made that word up, but okay. <laughs> to give a monologue. Monologize is that? Yeah, a word? I think so. Oh, um, cool. John Podor seems to think so. But um, learn something new today. Anyway, um, like okay, I taught martial arts for many years, and the the the, the higher rank a kid got, the more they had to be there. And when they got their black belts, they were there three times a week at a minimum, also teaching classes, also training on their own. I have my confirmation kids twice a month if it doesn't snow. (laughs) And I think that part of why the black belt program in my school worked was that when we made kids be there that much, it required an all-family commitment. And it said to the family, we take this seriously, and you need to too, or you're not doing it. 
So you have to be here three times a week. You have to teach classes. You have to be running on your own. And it's not optional. And for us, it's like we make it easier, at least in my parish. And this is not a criticism of my, of my parish. I think we do a lot of things right there. And I think the people who, who run our program are really doing the Lord's work. And so I don't want to make it sound like I'm criticizing because I'm not. but Because this is a larger problem. But it's like, yeah, if you go to baseball practice four times a week in CCD an hour or to say, to say three hours a month to be generous, we're not showing you we care. Mm. Showing you we care would be saying you have to be here twice a week. And your parents have to be here once a month with father to hear a little bit about what you're, what you're learning. And you have to be here for other things too. And you have to actually learn about the faith, right? It's not enough time. And so I think that one of the things we need to do is radically increase the amount of time we're spending with these kids and also really be more selective about the catechist, which requires more volunteers. But a lot of people are really trying and they are not well-formed. I don't know that it will require more volunteers because you're going to have a lot of people who choose not to participate in the program. Your program would be one-tenth of the size. You think you think we would lose a nine tenths of the students if we made them come for an extra hour a week? Yes, because they will find another parish that, that makes it easier. Well, that's the back to the bandaid on trying to fix a dam, right? This can't be one parish making an effort here. It needs to be a diocese making an effort, or or a universal church. True, true. And then and then the question is: So, are you withholding a sacrament? You know, are you saying that the the you know the requirements for the sacrament are so onerous? Because when you're when you're doing Taekwondo, yeah, you, you withhold a belt. You postpone it. You say six months from now, you can test again, right? Did you do that with confirmation? I don't know. I mean, do we need to tie the sacraments of initiation to CCD? Should CCD continue after the fact? I mean, should people stop learning when, they, when they're confirmed? Mystagogy. Right. I don't know. Paul, Carmelina, want to weigh in? I got plenty of thoughts, but... <laughs> I mean, this issue is so complex. I guess my take is is, you know, my first thought is praise God, you know, for people like you who are in there teaching and see the problems. And, and I'm so grateful that those kids do have that because even if you teach a class of 20 kids, even if one reverts and finds the faith and has that grace of thirst, it's worth it, right? Because Christ came back for the one. So it's not necessarily about quality. It's about quantity too. And I think that's the first piece. And it's just kind of the reality. Like, yeah, would we should we have better formed families? Yes. Is that the reality? No. And it has been for a while. And I guess the real question is, well, what do we do about it? And Joe, I think you gave some really good suggestions about what we could do. But I think also remembering that that it is about the one and it is about walking alongside individuals as well. And And yeah, I guess that's kind of where my take is. And also ensuring that we ourselves are doing everything that we can to pursue holiness. Well, if I can put Carmelina on the spot sure. in, in to praise her about something that she's doing right now. So um, Carmelina and actually a high school girl named Sarah yes. have discerned together that they want to lead a girls group. Mm-hmm. And so you, how many times have you guys met? So we've been meeting since I think the fall of 2021 and we meet once a month only, but it's it's been a phenomenal group. The girls are, I think, around 12, 13 and we meet once a month and it's just a lesson of Jesus and we come together and I don't know, it's been such a grace for me. I know the parents and the girls are telling Sarah and I, thank you for doing this, but it's it's a joy for me to do it every month. And these every one of these girls come from phenomenal families. So it makes my life easier. We're able to have very fruitful discussions and we're doing an apologetics lesson right now in the Eucharist and we're going to make rosaries next month for May and they're just a phenomenal group and yeah 
So, so that's a blessing, and, and it's, it's a very different model, I think, than, than what most kind of CCD programs are, which is mass-produced. Like you got, right. We've got 80 kids in our confirmation class. I don't know the names of three-quarters of them, right. and so I have no idea if they're ready for confirmation, but I have to go stand up there and lie to the bishop. <laughs> bishop, I know that these kids are ready for confirmation. No, they're not. These right. kids don't even know the glory be, right? But, but the model that you have is, I don't know if any of you have read or seen the book called The Benedict Option which is a book that I highly recommend to absolutely everybody. It kind of talks about how what happened when the Roman Empire fell in four, whatever it was, 460 something? I don't know. You're the teacher, Paul. You should know. <laughs> no, okay. Whenever, whenever the Roman Empire fell, um, chaos ensued. And chaos was in the, you know, the corru- there was corruption in the church. There was uh, a lack of learning. I mean, the, the barbarians came in and burnt libraries and kind of destroyed all sorts of books. And so St. Benedict, for his what he chose to do with that mess of society was not trying to reform society in general because he knew it was too big a task and that was not what his calling was. His calling was to form a small intentional community that was going to be very, very fervent, that was going to bring back kind of that fervor of the early church. And so he did. He fled to the mountains and formed really the first Western, he was the father of Western monasticism. And it was from those things that really kept the learning and kept the faith alive as the rest of Europe went up in flames from the barbarians. And, and really, I mean, once that monastic life started to spread to Ireland, that's where the books got copied and, and knowledge continued all the way until finally the barbarians kind of got the hint and became Catholic and, you know, <laughs> everything got their head screwed back on in the right direction. And so this guy named Rod Dreher wrote this book called The Benedict Option, which talks about how it's not, it's not you're fleeing from the world. It's not like the world stinks. We can't ever do this ever again. What it looks like is, and when I was at St. Mary's in Bethel, which is Joe's current parish, um, and Joe was actually in my eighth grade CCD class. I was. And uh, so what I had proposed before I got moved was we were going to do something similar, but we, we call it CCD Plus. And the plan was for those who wanted, for families that wanted, we would do an extra class. And this extra class would go way deeper and it would take kids totally optional. But it was kids who wanted to be there and kids who were serious about it. And, and we would do things like, you know, pilgrimages and field trips and, and have other experiences, you know, pray the liturgy hours together and whatever it was from sixth, seventh and eighth graders because they wanted it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, the formation of the small Christian communities that's going to keep passing on the faith. Like a, a big place like my former high school of Trinity Catholic High School, where I used to be a chaplain here, it was 5% of Catholics, you know, 5% practicing Catholics in the student body. You can't, you can't reform a school with 5% right. unless they're willing to live such a totally radical life. And, and, you know, they're high school kids, they weren't. So what do you need to do? You need to basically like, and, and God took care of it in here in Stanford is that he closed Trinity Catholic high school and he raised up this other school called Cardinal Kung Academy, which I now teach at, which is about 100% practicing Catholics. And, and the difference yeah. is rather stark, but it's a much smaller community. And it's from that smaller community that others can look in and say, you have something unique that's right. different that I, that I want because it's not, it's not uh, diluted. It's not the 5% Catholics amongst right. 95% heathens, right? Which is what you see in your CCD program. You got how many kids in your class practice, Joe? Practice the faith? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it depends what you mean by, by practice. but I mean, going, going to Mass every Sunday. Outside of being required to, I would be shocked if of more than like maybe five or six of the thirty I teach. Okay, so yeah, so sure, but... so it's it's diluted, right? So those five yeah. or six kids who might be interested in learning something, 
feel like they can't because they're surrounded by people who don't want to be there. And and we're social creatures. We take social cues from everybody else, right? So so what's the option? The option is to have something for those kids who are serious yeah. to dive deeper. I love that so much. Partially because like the dynamics of middle cl- middle school class are such that one kid will disrupt the whole class if you and you there's not much you can do about it really. <laughs> and so the kids that want to learn don't. And I suggested something very similar to this to our DRE. The reality is that we do not have enough volunteers to do these things. Like, so we always give a challenge at the end of these episodes. I'm You're gonna, currently I'm, single. I'm, I'm going to preempt you. Yeah, but I, can oh, teach, right. I, teach, I teach three classes. There's a limit how many hours. I can't bilocate. So, um, That's fair. That's but, fair. But I know you always do a challenge at the end of these episodes. And like to preempt you really quickly, like if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I wish this would change. No, you need to change it. Volunteer. Read a book and then volunteer. Like it can't be that other people are fixing this problem. If we had three times the volunteers, we could do this program. But we don't. So we can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. In, in, some, in many respects. Paul, what do you think? I think if you're out there listening and you think God might be calling you to become a catechist, it's time. It's time to go to your parish priest and say, hey, I want to be a catechist. And, you know, Carmelina and Joe, you both made great points in the last episode about how you were attracted. You were pulled in by something. And uh, for both of you, it was it was social. It was It was that other people drew you in towards Christ. And, um, you know, I think that's the answer. I think it's just inviting other people to pray, inviting other people when they call you and they say, hey, what are you up to? And you're, and, and you're just being honest and you say, oh, I'm about to go to Mass. Right. Do you want to come? Right. And maybe it's somebody who hasn't been in a very long time or, hey, I'm going to confession or, hey, I'm going to adoration. Do you want to come? It's actually really cool. Maybe they've never been to adoration. Um, and bringing friends to, um, to come into your community of, of other Catholic people. Um, and, you know, like you said, Joe, with the Frisbee and pizza with your, was that your youth group yeah, as I mean, a kid? <clears throat> Father Joe would have 30 kids on every Friday in the summer playing, fris- playing Frisbee for yeah. an hour, then go to adoration for an hour. Yeah, see, that's attractive. Right. I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I think I was probably 10 years old, my brother and I would rally a group of like 20 boys in the neighborhood to play tackle football in this field in front of the church. Right. And afterwards, we'd just go into the church because it was right there and say the rosary. So you have 20 kids that never never would have known what the rosary was sitting there saying the rosary. And I love this story of a blessed peer, Giorgio Frassati, who would go to the pool hall and bet his friends in pool. And he'd say, you know, if if I lose, I have to pay you this many lira. But if, if you lose, you have to come to holy hour with me. And then he'd bring this giant group. He'd he'd uh, he'd win and then right. bring this giant group of people <laughs> to, to adoration. So let me ask you, Paul, I mean, because you work in a Catholic high school and, and, and as a youth minister, you know, how much relational ministry are you able to do in a high school setting? Or you know, that's a great question, Father. And I think, um, I think the, when the kids know you and they think you know them, it, it makes the world of a difference in w- if they care about what you're saying. And unfortunately, a lot of worldly things like frisbee and pizza draw people into the faith. Um, and we can either say, well, that's stupid, uh, that they don't just believe, or you can use it and say, well, then I'm going to have pizza and Frisbee. And, so uh, so when, when you invite, do you invite kids to come to adoration or whatever, or mass? Or? 
Oh, oh yeah, it? I take my students to adoration once a month um, and to mass once a month, every class. Um, and then we have school-wide masses and things like that uh, in addition. Um, so they we're, we're very lucky at the school I'm at to have a full-time chaplain. Um, and he's, he's really great. And he, he makes the sacraments so available. And the kids take advantage. Uh, recently we had... Some visiting priests come for uh, confessions, and in two days, I think over 200 kids went to confession. Praise God. Yeah. And that's uh, great. so, we, yeah, we're, we're really blessed to have the availability of that grace. But I think it's so important that, that the, the kids know you personally, because as you talk about that accompaniment, like, right. You know, right. And, and I don't know how, Joe, if you have that opportunity to get to know the kids outside. I mean, because you've, you've sponsored a number of kids for confirmation, right? I've sponsored two kids for confirmation. I actually, and this is very like idiosyncratic, but I mean, I, I, I taught a lot of these kids in the past. A lot of them were my, were my martial arts students. And so that was, a, that's been a useful way to get into them because I, I, I know, have a relationship with some of them, their families, you know, so like I, I you know, I, I know them already a bit and they know me as not just that, like that Jesus guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's tough because, you know, like I said, an hour and a half, twice a month, 15 kids a class only so much i can do yeah you know what i mean it's hard to um, form a relationship and you know just that and there's no way around what i'm about to say but it's nonetheless a problem which is that like after the first or second class one kid really really great kid convert himself parents aren't even catholic but he's a convert to catholicism by his own choosing wow a really really great kid and he came up to me and said hey um would it be possible to schedule some one-on-one time to talk more about this stuff and i was like you have no clue how much i want to say yes but no, I can't have one-on-one time with you. Well, you're. I mean, I, I now I said to him afterwards, there's a way we could find it. Go into the office, and right? So like, a, there's a way one, but but like in reality, because it's, his specific situation is such that he doesn't necessarily want his parents to have to be part of the conversation because they're not Catholic. And I was like, I'm sorry, there is just no way that that's going to happen. Yeah. Because you're 12 and I'm 23, and this is not going to happen. And again, there's no way around that. But the our bears, but the relationships are really important. That's absolutely right. I mean, that was my experience. I mean, you know. Not to like, not to compliment you or anything, Father. I would never do such a thing. But um, like, like <laughs> Please you know, your, cla- your, anyway. your class was the was the instrument of my conversion. But it wasn't just the class; it was the fact that you were there afterwards. You know, what I mean, it was a friendship, not just a lesson from Thomas Aquinas that really sealed the deal. You know, and that's right? What, and that's, that's so that's important. Thing. And yeah, and yeah, I mean, I know with with youth protection, it is really challenging, but I think it's also really critical. Of course, oh, absolutely, you know? yeah, hundred so, percent so critical. It's yeah. it's tough, but not impossible to have one on one time with kids. I mean, you, you know, you just do it safely with another adult outside the door or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to be a high school chaplain myself, right. and definitely, you, know, you keep a big giant glass window in your right. <laughs> office, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's that forming relationships, and and I don't know, Paul. Do you know the? Do you know how long does it take you to learn the names of every kid in your class? Uh, depends on the class. Depends on the kids. You know, the the loudest kids you usually oh, yeah. learn their names first. As, as <laughs> you guys both, kids. Know. yeah, the best yeah. and worst kids. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know? sometimes. Uh, but I think the three things that really stand out to me about this is that most of us are drawn to the faith either through the head, the heart, or through community, or Stomach. a person, oh. or other people, <laughs> uh, and or some combination of those. And yeah. I think it's important to sort of gauge each person and say, you know, and you got to kind of hit all those points with all of them. And then, you know, maybe one will be drawn by the intellect. And I think those are, uh, you know, those are a lot easier in a classroom setting because you just hit them hard with, you know, either God exists or he doesn't. And if he does, 
I would want to know. So how can I be sure about that? Either Jesus is God or he isn't. Um, you know, well, either either Jesus is in the Eucharist or he isn't. How can we figure out if that's the case? And and then once we figure it out, we're we're done questioning that. Yeah. And I know, at least in our diocese, and I think in probably most of the church, there's kind of been this movement away from classroom settings for CCD, and a lot of people propose, well, maybe make it more like a youth group, more like this. But as you mentioned, some people are attracted to God through truth. Mm-hmm. And so when you only have like a five-minute catechetical presentation as part of a bigger youth group, maybe they're not being fed in the way that they would be fed. Right, so right. Yeah, and I think in a classroom setting, I mean, that's, especially in a school setting, that the job... And the, the purpose of the school, at least in, in uh, religion or theology classes, is, is not as much to evangelize or convert, but just to present the information and, and not to push anything on anyone, but just to, to say, this is, this is who Jesus is. This is why we know God exists, and, and this is what Jesus said. And, you know, if Jesus is God, wouldn't you want to know everything that he said and what it really means? Right. And just to, just to present that. So here's a question then. How can the average CCD program or religion program in a Catholic school foster a living relationship with Jesus Christ? I think the first thing is the instructors have to be living it themselves Mm. and they have to be exuding Christ because kids smell that. Mm -hmm. They know when you're not paying attention. They know when you're not engaged. And if you're not a living example of what they should be living, then they're not going to listen. When you say smell that, I'm thinking if there's a chrism scented beer beard balm, <laughs> like, I'm going to smell like Jesus today. <laughs> Put on that chrism. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're, no, right. I, you're right. Not to not to be cliche, um, but I, you know, I also think there's a reason why you always hear things like you know the um, the the amount of prayer and and fasting and 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 uh, sacrifice that you're doing on behalf of the kids that you're working with. Or even your friends, if you're trying to mm. pull them, and that has a direct a direct relation to how much they may be open to receiving the grace. That's so true. And, and remembering that God is doing the work. Like Carmelina with her girls group, she'll often be like, "Oh, what should I do with my girls group tonight?" And I just tell her about you know Saint Peter, uh, where he's told, "Don't think about what you're gonna say when you get." accused when Jesus is telling him you know when you when you get arrested when you get accused when you get persecuted don't think about what you're going to say just let the holy spirit work and you know she often has those interactions with her girls and and it it opens up a lot uh for the holy spirit and then she comes back and tells me how great the the night went mm. yeah, that is true cuz as we've mentioned this whole thing really is grace yeah it's grace working on hearts and I think we're at a unique opportunity. Yeah, it's a it's a shame that we don't have the level of catechesis or evangelization occurring in the homes as, as we probably should. But what that also speaks to might be, I'm not saying that there's bad parents, I'm not insinuating that, but everybody, we live in a society where everybody is distracted, mm-hmm. where maybe kids or people in general, our peers might not be getting any sort of attention or engagement from anybody else. So if you choose to engage, with kids or with your friends or with people in general, you might have a better chance right. of converting them if you just care about them, if love you them. take an interest yeah. and love them and get to know them and understand their issues, mm-hmm. even if you're not 
actually talking about the faith, but forming that intentional relationship is critical because they might not have ever experienced that before. I remember um, with the convent that I was discerning with the mother superior, when I speak to her, she has so many things going on. She is running a convent, has sisters to care for, all of these sick people calling her, asking for her prayers constantly. They have a, a whole order, a regiment, funding, fundraising, all of these different things. But when you're there with her, she is with you. Yeah. She can. She is with you, engaged. There is nobody else that she is looking at or thinking about other than you. And I, I'd like to think that St. Pope John Paul II was like that as well, where he remembered everybody's name that he met yeah. because he's there, yeah. he's present, he's engaged. And that level of engagement when you're not looking at your phone, talking to someone or taking a phone call, like, hey, wait, that means a lot to someone because you care about them. So then, because you brought up an interesting point, what about the parents? So should we be focusing more on evangelizing and catechizing the parents versus the kids? I think we have to hit both. Yeah, I mean, not versus, mm -hmm. but in addition to, absolutely. Yeah, our diocese has done a lot of work to answer these questions and a lot of um, uh, field work to ask around what their parishes are doing. And they've correctly identified uh, that parishes uh, have to be forming the whole family and forming the primary educators, the parents, uh, all at once, so that when a kid learns something and in uh, CCD, and they go home and they want to talk about it with their parents. Their parents don't turn away from the conversation because they may not want to look like they don't know or out and out disagree with it. Yeah, which I've had which a lot. A big problem. I've had a big problem with that. I'll give you an example. My dad, who was pretty much a cultural Catholic his whole life, I came into the faith, and even though we were practicing, we were both Catholic, and we were both practicing Catholics, my faith looked very different than his. It wasn't until he had gotten involved in a men's group that was flourishing and thriving to see other men who weren't weird or nerds or just <laughs> he couldn't relate to. My dad's a very kind of like fun guy, bro-y sort of. He's great. He's the best. Bro he loves how he really is. I he hope just, to meet him somewhere. He loves the guys. Bro. He loves to have a cigar, have a drink, you know, and, and that's what he was looking for. And he found that in this awesome men's group. And he had this incredible reversion back to the faith because he saw other men who were kind of like him, right. but also very faithful and, and lived out the faith. And he had never seen that before. Yeah. And um, he, he was completely different. Now he prays the rosary every day right. and is now going to join the Knights of Columbus. So it's, you have to hit both. And now I can have conversations with my dad about the faith like I've never had before. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, community. Quick things about that before we wrap up here, which is that, um, like, how do we foster a relationship with Jesus? Well, like, be Jesus to these kids. Like, have a relationship with them first. Like, show that you care about them. Take interest in what they say. Ask them questions about their lives. Right. Tell them how much you care about them. Tell much. They, tell them that you're praying for them. Um, make sure they see that you have a prayer life. Pray with them. And also, like, there has to be somewhere for them to go afterwards. Like that. Your dad had that experience. And like. My faith would have withered on the vine and died if it wasn't an altar-serving program and a youth group at St. Mary's. And so, like, I look at how those programs have shrunk in a lot of ways, and I just, it just, my heart breaks for these kids because it's like, okay, great. I, I care about Jesus. I want, what, what's the next step? I don't know, pray the rosary in your room by yourself, I guess, because there's nowhere for you to go. Like, that's not <laughs> enough. We, we, this is a relational, a relational uh, faith. It needs to be groups and relationships for these kids. So that's what yeah. I would say. Like, it's about the relationship. That's so important to these kids. So true. Yeah. As I look around at different churches, um, and we're blessed to have a lot of great churches in our diocese, um, I think the ones where, that they they flourish and they thrive. Uh, I I see a couple of aspects that seem to be uh, that that seem to stick out. 
One is that they have a lot of opportunities for community. Right. Um, that it, you know, at convenient times for people with normal lives, and uh, if people who are normal, right? And, <laughs> and and if the priest is blessed enough to have the opportunity to like be present at those things, right. that makes a big difference too. I, I know that some just don't have the ability uh, for for many different reasons. Um, and the other thing is just convenient times for mass, adoration, and confessions, because the people that want to go to mass, adoration, and confessions, they tend to go where they can, when they can. And, mm. and uh, th- I think that's that's the answer to educating the parents, not just on, on catechesis, but on what it, what a beautiful, happy Catholic family looks like, because they see a bunch of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that that is that core you need to form mm-hmm. of actual beautiful normal catholic families and some parishes struggle to find that that core of beautiful catholic families but you know we continue with god's grace and and i think the church of the future will look very different than it does today um i think you know, as pope benedict said it'll be smaller but stronger mm. as yep. people realize that we do need the, the fellowship of other strong believers and through that form these communities that are so intensely on fire with the Holy Spirit that that fire starts to spread. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Restless. Uh, it sounds like both Paul and Joe already gave you the challenge. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> go, go out and teach CCD if you can. But uh, definitely, there's all of us have a role to play. If nothing else, pray for the softening of hearts that mm-hmm. God's grace uh, may find a welcome in the hearts and, and souls of these young people. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, which is 1350 AM and also 103.5 FM. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Orange Podcasts, I believe. Just kidding, that's not a thing. (laughs) Wherever else you get your podcasts. But thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in next time. God bless. God bless.